0: You're listening to the AID Network.
1: Greetings, fellow citizens of Disneyland. I want to thank everybody that showed up last night for our monthly 1313 meetup over on YouTube and Twitch. It was so fun to be able to put up some sort of Halloween festivities for everyone. Uh, We're living in weird times, leaning into them, and just trying to make it as best of a time for everybody, including myself, as much as possible. Also, want to thank everybody that reached out to me that said, Hey, Bricky, we're cool with you releasing the podcast whenever you can. Of course, nobody knew the park would be closed this long. So I really appreciate everyone that reached out. And I also want want to say, I kind of forgot or, or kind of forgot to mention it, I should say. I've never forgot about it. But there are folks that are supporting Disneyland for Designers over at anchor.fm slash Disneyland for Designers. And, uh, you know, I, I was trying that out on the honor system and, you know, There are a small handful of people that would all fit on a school bus and half the school bus would be completely vacant that have decided to support the podcast and I didn't want to make any of you feel slighted. Nobody complained because they're all awesome, but I did feel like I should give a special shout out. Today I'm bringing on my friend Nick Bayside who is a professional musician. Well, his life has come to a screeching halt and him and some of his other Fellow musician friends during a time of no touring, no live shows, dipped in and decided to make a podcast about their mutual love of Star Wars. It's called Think the Maker. Everyone in this podcast is a musician of a very high level, and they decided to make a podcast about their love of Star Wars. I thought it'd be fun to bring Nick on to have him give us his view of where Star Wars is going. There's been a lot of crazy rumors and shakeups during the pandemic about what's happening over in Star Wars country. And so I thought it'd be interesting to have him break down where he sees the franchise going and also where he sees the evolution of Batu going. This is a guy, much like myself, that wasn't raised on Disney, wasn't a hardcore uh, Disney Parks fan, came out here as an adult, saw Batu and bought a season pass that day. Absolutely fell in love, became an AP, became a devotee of Batu. Uh, started Batu crew over on Instagram. And I just thought it'd be fun to just kind of look at Star Wars on an episode both the film and the park the relationship between the two and where it's going it's it's kind of a fascinating part of the future of Disneyland because i believe many of us i'm going to say intelligent fans walked into galaxy's edge and said this is amazing this is a, a phenomenal backdrop Where will it go and where will it grow? And it's so funny to me to think that this time last year, probably the number one thing YouTubers and and content creators were saying about Disneyland is what an epic fail Star Wars Galaxy's Edge was. Oh, there's nothing to do in there other than to spend money or only one ride's open. There's nothing for kids. And it's so funny a year later how your, your complaints can change when, The biggest complaint last year was this new amazing thing, it's not amazing enough for us. And that was in many ways what inspired me to get deeper into making Disney content because I thought, man, there's just, there's a... A space missing in the middle of to talk about the Disney parks with common sense, not this over false positivity where everything's always the best, everything's always the great, the park's going to open tomorrow. And also on the far other side, this constant negativity, nothing's good enough, nothing's great enough, it's all a disaster, it's all falling apart. I thought I'd swallow a space for myself in the middle, and I've been doing that pretty regularly, almost daily, over on YouTube where I'm putting up little news videos talking about all the things that are happening in the world right now and then also sort of giving my view on the things we have to be optimistic and positive about. Uh, It can get a little bit more brutal than what we do over here on Disneyland for Designers. It's me kind of getting back to what my core brand is, brutal honesty. So if that's something you'd be interested in, I'd love to have you over at youtube.com slash adventures in design. Let's get started with today's episode. Hey, Disney fans, do you have a Disney fan brand? Do you like to show your, your fandom by making limited edition merchandise for you and all of your friends? Or do you like to design a shirt for the family to wear to go out to the park? Did you know that you can do all this and save money and get free shipping by listening to this show? Head over to our sponsor, JackPrince.com, where you can get site-wide discounts by going to JackPrince.com slash C-O-T. That stands for Circle of Trust. And Jack Prince has been a supporter of Adventures in Design, the AID Network, and the Circle of Trust since the very beginning. And they passed that sponsorship over to you by giving you a discount site-wide. So whatever you're making for your fan brand, head over to jackprince.com C-O-T, save some money, get some free shipping, and who knows, maybe you'll discover a product to let you share your fandom with all your friends and fans. This is the story of a beautiful place known as the happiest place on earth and all of its history, its secrets and its tricks that you may find if your mind believes in design and you allow your heart to believe in magic. Step inside and become a citizen of Disneyland. fellow citizens of Disneyland, and welcome, fellow citizens of Batuu. Today's episode, me and my friend Nick Bayside from the Think the Maker podcast, we look at Star Wars Galaxy's Edge and how it is a living, breathing interpretation of this thing that many of us have loved our entire life. But we also go back to the source. We go back to the core, the Star Wars film franchise where it's at, where it's going, and how this may, just may, affect the future of Batuu, the Black Spire outpost located in Disneyland and Disney World. This, in my estimation, what we got is beautiful, and it's a canvas that can involve year after year, decade after decade, Star Wars story after Star Wars story. Today my guest is a professional musician Way beyond that, he is a true lover and a devotee to Star Wars. Loves it, lives it, breathes it. Thought it'd be interesting to look at Star Wars Galaxy's Edge through the lens of the hardest of hardcore fans. People that really just absolutely adore all of the source material that Galaxy's Edge brought to life. What was it like for him to get to walk inside of his imagination? For the very first time, it's Disneyland for designers, talking the future of Star Wars and Batuu. I know the name's Nick Bayside. Yeah. But today, I kind of like the name Nick Darkside. Because <laughs> we like are living that. in dark, dark
0: times. It's dark time. There's no hope.
1: (laughs) You can't say (laughs) that. There's no,
0: uh, you are not my only hope. You cannot start out a a
1: Disneyland-inspired podcast about Star Wars as our topic today. Standing in Batuu, you cannot say there's no hope. Do I need to walk you over to the hope tree and
0: remind you that hope is how we got into this situation? I know. I need to be the, the beacon of light. I need to be the spark.
1: Oh, we could all use a little spark. So... Real quick, let's just start here. Yeah. You are a professional musician, but the last time you have worked is?
0: um, Let's see. Some studio time in June. Okay. Uh, but that doesn't directly pay the bills. What pays the bills is touring, and we toured last in late winter, last of 2019.
1: 2019. Yep. So you've had a quite a stretch off.
0: This already is potentially the longest we've ever been off and between you and me and all the podcast listeners there's nobody <laughs> listening don't worry about it we're probably at minimum 14 months away from touring again
1: i would agree with that yeah. number uh, wholeheartedly it's funny you know you see all these people that think that any day now that, that california is going to go Disneyland can open, yeah. and then it's going to open the very next day, yeah. and it's like, guys, there's a whole big window from yeah. when things go okay, when it actually opens, but the reason why I wanted to start there is because you have had a considerable amount of time off. Uh, I know that you're a professional musician, so it's like feast or famine, like work all the time, or you're home for a long stretch, mm-hmm. so you guys live by a different timetable than most, mm-hmm. uh, sort of an over-exaggerated firefighter schedule, if oh, you will. totally. Three days on, <laughs> three days off. Yeah. But... You've had such a long stretch, and I know a lot like myself, you have used the the world of Disney through Star Wars mm-hmm. to really occupy your mind. Yeah, and it it's always been escapism. You and I have loved these movies since we were kids. Yeah, but there's been something about how all of these things mean so much more during these dark times. Oh, totally.
0: Yeah. It's it's. It is escapism like you said and I'll probably say that a thousand more times sure. on this podcast but Well until we escape that let's keep saying it. Yeah. I mean it's just such a part I think of of wanting to be like a joyful adult is having little escape moments you yeah. know like moments where you don't have to worry about bills and taxes and all just life creeping in you know and I think it's really important um, I know sometimes me, you just
1: want to go with your your gold feminine friend, yeah. get into a trash can, yeah. blast out of a spaceship and be like, wherever we yeah. land, we land.
0: Exactly. And and living so close to Disney, it really became not so much uh, like, we're going to Disneyland on vacation, like an event type of thing. Living an Uber ride away meant I could go for two or three hours and kind of like, I always use the, the, the phrase like, filling like my, my, my happiness tank. You know, yes. like I could go there for yes. like three hours and that'll last me for the whole week, you know, of, of, all right, I escaped. I watched people have fun with star Wars. I had fun with star Wars and, uh, I'm good until next week, you know? So you
1: and I have a, a commonality in that there go some
0: wild parrots it, of orange,
1: some exotic birds <laughs> just flew over but too. But you and I have this commonality of, you know, we grew up in bands and, and y- you're still going down that road, but we're both from the East coast yep. and the idea of being, a small drive from a Disney park. It's so insanely exotic because yeah. where you and I come from, it's a once-in-a-childhood vacation. Oh, absolutely. And so to have it right down the road from you, a lot like myself, you became an accidental, hardcore Disneyland guy. Totally. Like, just for everybody at home to paint a picture of your love of Batu, how many times do you think you went to the park in 2019?
0: Um, I mean, I started to go... Weekly, once September came around, yeah. so I would say it, it. I I went on to Batu. The first day it was June ninth, twenty nineteen. Mm-hmm. Got the like lowest pass I could which was blacked out all of uh, all of the summer. And that oh, I remember about, that. I remember yeah, that. That lasted about a month before I was, like, going nuts. I was like, I have to upgrade so I could go whenever I want.
1: You did the whole, like, bought a ticket, and on the way out, you yeah. were like, I'm upgrading the ticket to a yeah, pass. Yeah,
0: And then, like an idiot, realized it was blacked out the whole summer and then just went to the uh, the one up where you basically had to schedule the flex pass. Yeah. Uh, you could basically schedule when you would have to go, like, kind of just let them know you're coming. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that was totally worth it. Loved that pass. Never really had an issue with using it or being like, that's all subject to availability and like park capacity. I don't really go on the weekends anyway. Um, so really, whenever I wanted to go, I just went, you know, really wasn't an issue.
1: I've been to Disneyland. Uh, it's a little over 500 times. It's great. I think maybe five of those were Saturdays. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, I have just jammed some yeah. Monday through Thursday days of the park. <laughs> so when you went into Batu. Mm-hmm. As a lifelong Star Wars fan, and and I mean a hardcore Star Wars fan, uh, when you went into Batuu, take me back to that moment. Like For me, I always reminisce on it that I can remember, and you know this from being a world traveler, from being a rock and roller... Remember the first time you went to Paris? Mm-hmm. You can still in your mind's eye see the way that the sun was hitting the buildings. Like oh, you, totally. you you remember what Paris felt like the first time you walked through its streets because yeah. it's that exotic? Mm-hmm. Batu felt that way to yeah. me. It felt that exotic. So take me through, because I'm a Star Wars fan, but mm-hmm. you're a Star Wars fanatic. So yep. what did it feel like the first time you walked through the spires?
0: Well, it's what's cool is, and I guess before well, like you bring up Paris and, and Batu and all this stuff, the, the older you get, Your eyes have seen everything. Your brain has processed everything. Well, especially in your lifestyle. Exactly. So, first time I went to Paris, and you see not a lot of tall buildings, very old-looking city, but then you see the Eiffel Tower, which probably isn't much taller than buildings in New York. Right. But when there's nothing else tall around it it looks massive. Right. So that was, you know, processing that was just like look at this giant tower in the middle of like all these just like one story, two story little buildings. So decadent so, one yeah, story, exactly. two story buildings. So I mean, the really the reason I bring that up is cuz like that was the first time my eyes had a and my brain had to process it, you know? Like you've seen everything, your brain just looks at things and they go, you know, whatever. You you don't really have to sit there and and think about things. When Batu We walked in, and it was uh, when they were still doing the reservations. Like, you get the four-hour window. I love that. Um, Yeah, it was cool. That
1: system was
0: great. (laughs) It was cool. So, we went with uh, my girlfriend and and Gus and Hammer. That was our little crew. Um, And I do what every Star Wars fan does when it comes to new trailers, new movies, whatever. And you get this overwhelming sense of excitement, which is something that I never want to lose. Yeah. But... Being the calm person I am and being the, like, self-introspective person I am, I know to calm down. I tell myself to calm down and not look in a thousand different directions and just kind of concentrate and be like, you know what? I have four hours here. We're going to see everything. Don't worry. So I really just didn't mind the crowd. And we went in through... um, I think we went through Black Spire, not, uh, not the... I'm trying to think now. Which we went through the market, not we really didn't go the hard right and went where like uh, the land speeder is, if you know what I'm saying. Uh,
1: really, so that was the the entry port that yeah. they brought you into the land. Yeah, yeah. Because we came through um, the frontier land rivers of America, critter country, and okay. that's the way that they brought us in on yeah. our uh, reservation. And I really like that because that way, as you're going through the land, which is. Divided into three acts, yeah. you know. I mean, the whole land is essentially designed like a movie. Yeah. Uh, I love that way because we're just walking through the woods, and then it started to yeah. show itself yeah, yeah. to us.
0: Um, yeah. So that was, you know, I, I think just my my eyes were processing everything slowly, but I started to really. I did some research before, so yeah. I knew a little bit what yeah. to expect as far as like the immersiveness. Uh, and not and making it just feel like you're not even in Disney anymore, which I think they nailed. You know, it's the most impressive part of it is especially at the beginning. I feel like over time and already, you know, I was there the night before it closed in March and it was like you start to see some stuff creep in already of Earth coming into Batu. you know. Sure, sure. Um, and it's going to happen. I understand that. But at least I was there and you were there for the golden ages of it. Really feeling like you barely even saw like barcodes on things. You definitely didn't see Disney logos on things.
1: Oh, so. no. And the, we had the, the fun silverware at yeah, Docking yeah. Bay 7. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, there wasn't the baby Yoda carts yeah, exactly. in the tunnels, which yeah. is real, real low rent. Yeah. But it, it was so different going there in the beginning because it really did live up to a lot of the promises that mm-hmm. they gave us they I think they over promised I think they maybe oversold um but too a little bit, yeah. and because we live in a time of so many people being so privileged um, and just you know living a life uh, that I think right now everybody can see what an amazing life you had a year ago yeah. but uh, they they kind of oversold it and it and it wasn't exactly living the Star Wars adventure they promised to us, but I kind of read all of that as marketing speak and a false promise and yeah. I literally just wanted to see the thumbprint of the land like yeah. I wanted to see how the landscaping work how the buildings flowed from each other what was the, the, the people yeah. traffic like I really really wanted to see it as this is the best an amusement park mm-hmm. can do and taking you someplace else and you say that 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 really big takeaway from the very beginning is it did feel incredibly separated yeah. from the rest of Disneyland. Definitely. And I, I walked through there and I just thought, man, if they wanted to make this a hard ticket, like hundred to go to Disneyland, it's $50 to get the star Wars passport. Yeah. yeah. They could have gotten away. Oh, with totally. it. It's so separated from yeah. everything else. Yeah,
0: that's a good idea. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that it's really courageous of them as a company to do what they did there because they easily could have made that Tatooine with Darth Vader walking around and a little Yoda over here and all Would that stuff. Would you have preferred
1: that though as a fan? Nick, uh, like, how do you... Because one of the things I wanted to talk about today, because yeah. you are a hardcore fan, yeah. how do you feel about the timeline mm-hmm. in the Star Wars universe that they... I mean, they not only committed to it, yeah. they like doubled down on committing totally, to yeah. it.
0: Totally, um, I don't mind it. I think right now... I wish there would have been an exit strategy not to, like, go into original trilogy or anything. I wish there would have been an exit strategy post Rise of Skywalker. Because I don't like that it's, like supposed to be kind of stuck in time right now between the last jedi and the rise of skywalker yeah you still have ray walking around in like her gray garb and and kylo's helmet is you know pre when he broke it so pre nascar version where it has
1: the red lightning bolts on (laughs) it
0: so uh, to me i wish there was like an exit strategy to have it be between last jedi and rise of skywalker Then the movie comes out and then they kind of could move on. Because I think they still have so much expansion to do with the story of Batu that I think that they could put out a new book. They could put out a Disney Plus series and change the park. And I hope that that's in the plans. Like maybe this is just like five years down the road and they're going to milk this for all it is, you know, right now. And then down the road put out a new book, put out a Disney Plus series that changes kind of, obviously not the landscape because I don't know that they'll add to the park, the footprint of the park, but at least like change the story of what's happening in Batu Because I think that that's good in a marketing sense. Sure. That you, you know, this is a planet that has... Existed in the galaxy throughout longer than the Skywalker saga. So, I mean, maybe at some point they do original trilogy Batu. You know, like maybe they 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 say this summer only yeah. or these months only, yeah. where a hundred years, Bby. You know, like I think that that could be cool.
1: And see, I think, uh, man, that there's so many things I want to say about what you just said. There's, <laughs> I think, it would they were smart on this because it would take. An afternoon, and it could become the original trilogy part. I mean, you know, a couple of modifications and Rise of the Resistance is a Death Star that we're getting off of. Uh, Smugglers run, put in a new video game, and we're we're where we need to be. So I think that they kind of, as much as they really doubled down, it is a little open-ended on where they could go. Mm -hmm. But as a hardcore fan, they put themselves in a really tight spot. I mean, right in between two movies that Mm -hmm. are pretty pretty controversial out of out of the nine i mean um force awakens got me personally thinking okay we're going someplace here it's very familiar it's a bit of a cover band but we're going someplace Mm -hmm. here but the last two movies not really knowing where they were going and kind of making it up as they go along one of the things i wanted to talk to you about is it seems like if you're a star wars fan and a youtube fan the last six weeks, it's almost been impossible to keep up with all of these headlines, yeah. you know, like uh, John Bodega, as I like to refer to him, <laughs> referring to that he his character was, was diminished yeah, yeah. and that he, that he was a victim of racism, mm-hmm. which thinking about the people that made that, I mean, if he feels that way, that's certainly yeah. how he feels. And I don't know how he feels, but it seems like an odd camp. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't see the Star Wars camp as being the type of people like, This is what we're going to do. Yeah. Like, I I find that to be a little bit of a reach, but it's hard to say. And I don't want to speak for him because that would be
0: horrible. If, If that's how he feels, that's how he feels. And there's certainly evidence for and against it. I feel like Disney is, like, absolutely about inclusiveness. But I think the issue here is that there wasn't a story written Start to finish for all three movies and Which is insane. It's it boggles my mind that you could have paid four billion dollars for this intellectual property and then just be like, Let's see what happens and it's I mean I'm you know what it it is? Wasn't worse, honestly. But you know what it
1: is? It's booking studio time and saying, We'll write the record when we yeah, get yeah, into yeah. the studio. Yeah. And you have to go in there with some parts and some pieces. So like the the saga of Finn is interesting because in Force Awakens he was my second favorite new character. Yeah. I like I really liked him, and I thought Kylo Ren. But Adam Driver is also a phenomenal actor. Mm-hmm. So when he gets into the the second movie, I don't feel like they know what they're doing with him. Yeah. And when it gets to the third film, I don't feel like they know what they're doing with anybody. Mm-hmm. Now Ray obviously gets a lot of screen time because. Mm-hmm she's going to wrap up the story yeah. and and kylo's a big part of it and adam driver could take a shitty script and act the wheels yeah, off of absolutely. it so i i think that it they just didn't know what they were doing with anybody yeah and i feel like a lot of other people could make that same complaint because look at poe's journey yeah i mean what is worse that?
0: than finn what is that character
1: him. arc yeah. and Isaac, or sorry isaac oscar that's his name correct
0: Oscar yes, Isaac. Oscar Isaac. Uh, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> he is a phenomenal yeah, actor. Absolutely. He could go toe to toe with Adam Driver. Mm-hmm. They just gave him this weird flyboy character yeah. who's like not rebellious enough to be Han Solo, not charming enough to be Han Solo. And no,
0: no circumstance was like really live or die. You know, no. Finn maybe was in some, and obviously Ray and 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 Kylo were, but
1: but a black stormtrooper yeah. was an amazing idea and then this guy who is clearly an outsider has had to make weird decisions in his life and all of a sudden after you know force awakens that's just kind of brushed off and as my uh, other co-host mentioned by the final film he's just blowing off stormtroopers like it's no big deal Mm -hmm, like he would probably know some of those people right i mean it's just uh, no character development whatsoever towards the end
0: yeah it's really it's it's a strange missed opportunity. And, and to me, like Star Wars and why I still love it as much as ever, if not more, is it's about the overall story. It's not yeah. necessarily like, what did the movies do? It's it's or what do I see in the movies? And it's about what happened in them, because Obviously, people had problems with the prequels, too. But to me, the story is what's important. And that's what I'm invested in, is like the the generational decades worth of this ongoing story that's still full of holes that are getting plugged in. I mean, look at the Mandalorian is going to shed light on everything, you know, especially in between uh, Return of the Jedi and The Force Awakens. So I, I, to me, like, I care more about the story and where it's going. The execution always I have to take with a grain of salt because... Besides the original trilogy, which we all grew up on, everything else, you know, is seemingly faulted, you know? So I sure. can't just be like, if it's not perfect, I hate it. It's like I'm sure. invested in the sure. story. And, and that's I, what keeps me around. I, so. I,
1: I judge all this art on an extreme curve. Mm-hmm. Like I go into it with a certain expectation. But you do bring up a great point because New Hope was such a huge part of my childhood. Um, I watched that with my mom. Uh, my mom and dad split, and I have a very—like, I haven't talked to my mom in uh, 17 years now. But even when we had a very weird childhood and my mom was very removed, every time there was a new Star Wars movie, somehow my mom would show up yeah. and take me to see Empire and then show up and take me to see Jedi. So yeah. it's 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 an extremely emotional thing, both because of my age uh, and both because of that, that relationship with my mother. So a lot like you, it's about— the force yeah, and it's about being part of something that's bigger than you mm-hmm. and about trying to figure out like the odds are against us but in the end like, truth and justice has to win. Yeah. And, and it's it's very, very, um, very crazy to think about all this with the times that we're living in. Yeah.
0: I mean, that's that's actually always been the case. You know, I, the original trilogy, a lot of it is based off of, you know, World War Two, And, you know, like, the Emperor and Vader and Stormtroopers are all based off of, you know, like, Hitler and stuff like that. So it, it, it's always been a part of... You know, American and world history has been seeped into the way George Lucas wrote the first six, and then the last three. It's hard not to, with the reha like I don't want to say rehashing, but with the similar storyline of good versus evil and an oppressive, you know, regime residing over an entire galaxy, and a small band of rebels have to have to, you know, uh, kind of overthrow everything. It's hard not to have parallels to the real world right now. Sure, You're seeing it more so now than ever, and thats it's not any different than the first six, but just having the internet and having people more, you know, quote-unquote woke, and just uh, more people knowing and seeing how the world works right now, it's hard not to see a parallel in Star Wars.
1: So what do you think about all the drama that is coming out of the corporate Mm -hmm. Star Wars camp? I mean, do you think that they're really going to put a wrecking ball into the the final trilogy of films no i mean do you think that that's gonna stay i mean there there are so many intense rumors like out of everything that you've seen the last couple Mm -hmm. months what do you believe to be true um
0: i mean in a business sense again i'm calm about these things so i never believe just a rumor but like in a business sense you don't build two theme parks and and Buy Lucasfilm for four billion dollars, and then say, "Oh, actually, we screwed up. Twenty percent of the fans don't like it. So let's let's put a wrecking ball in it." You know, like
1: don't you think like, four like billion sounds up. like such a deal now?
0: Yeah, right. I
1: mean, I mean it sounds so cheap. Yeah. Com- after all, they've already gotten out of it, and they've yeah. only owned it for such a small totally. amount of time.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it's just not an easy thing. But you have to think that Star Wars isn't immune to. It's such a big entity that it's not immune to the same exact. Uh, issues that politics. you well, know you, you have such a wide sure. range of people so of course you're going to have buttheads that hate it and <laughs> they have the most vocal they, they're they the loudest because they're yelling the loudest I, um, I always say that
1: Star Wars is one of those things that Star Wars fans they love it so much that they hate it Yeah, right and yeah. if you think about it like you know Everything in the force and in the world, the circle is the symbol of life. And so good at some moment does touch evil. And at some moment, love does touch hate. And it's like they literally love it so much, and it means so much to people, that if it's not their exact expectation or childhood redesigned in in front of them, they hate it. it. And so it's a very, very passionate group of people that to try to please them all is a fool's errand
0: yeah and that's that's ultimately the issue again being introspective as an adult and and knowing that you have to be in charge of finding your own joy your own overall joy yes it's not like i want to sit in front of i want to sit in a movie theater like i did when i was five and feel that same exact thing it's impossible you're never going to. to be in in charge of how to do that and for for adults or anyone who thinks that the original trilogy is absolutely perfect it's not is it the best sure it's i love it you know i'd be a different person if that wasn't in my life but if you're going to put the prequels and sequels under a microscope then put the original trilogy under there too and realize it's not perfect it's either. a flawed so, yeah. thing yeah so just again work backwards do you like star wars do you want it to make you happy figure out how to make that happen you know so it's like i'm not about poking holes and things. Again, to go back to the original question, I don't think that there's there's no chance in hell that they're starting over or erasing things or anything like that, because the movies did fine, you know? Like, there was a huge... I mean, they all made a billion dollars, at least, minimum, I would say, the, the, Sky, the three Skywalker saga, and it, it brought... it bridged the gap between the original trilogy and and introducing new characters. In a, some, in a weird way, having Luke, Leia, and Han, and Lando, and Chewie, all these, it's kind of anchored it in a weird way that made people have to compare it to the originals. Sure. Know? So, like, they wanted to introduce new characters, which is why the park is the way it is, I think. Do you
1: feel like any of the new characters were successful?
0: I mean, Kylo's great because of Adam. Yeah. I think... Ray is absolutely a great character, and the, you know, the people that don't like that character, don't like her because she's a girl. Like that's just straight up like how it is, you know. So like,
1: I thought making the new version of Luke Skywalker right because all the new characters yeah. are a new version of somebody yeah. we know. So in twenty twenties, making uh, Luke female, I thought that was a really really powerful stance, yeah. and. I didn't think that I liked Ray because a bit mopey, no joy, a bit mm-hmm. lost. I didn't think that I liked that character. But yeah. when I was doing my fireworks display mm-hmm. and I was really tying together all the moments and I, you know, I had a list of friends like you that were kind of feeding me like these are some of the core scenes. Yeah. That end scene where she hands Luke his Skywalker or Luke Skywalker's lightsaber back. That look on her face, yeah. it like put a lump in my throat yeah. every single time. And I think looking at her character journey from a distance and not going to every film and be like, that didn't meet my expectations. Yeah, yeah. I think looking at it now that her journey is complete, mm-hmm. I have a lot more love in my heart for yeah. her. But when you look at the last three films, do you see anything in there? that has the ability to be plucked out and turned into its own thing like do you see anything like you know they were able to do that with the first three movies yeah. pretty, pretty easily mm-hmm. do you see a, a Rogue One type situation that could come out of the last yeah. three it's it's
0: What's weird is so Force Awakens and Last Jedi are literally days apart, so those movies might as well be one movie. So there's not much time in between. Which is
1: those insane two. to build an amusement park in yeah. between those well, two. Well,
0: they built it in between Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker, which is still only about a year. Okay. So so that's that's uh, not much time. But I, I I think that you, I think why that last marketing campaign was marketed as the end of the Skywalker saga, is they know that they had to move on. They know, like what I said previously about the original characters kind of anchoring. They wanted to have a parallel line of new characters and old characters. And I think that they saw that it was more open to criticism because the old characters were still around. So now that they're gone and you legitimately, at the end of this Skywalker saga, have Rey, a Force-sensitive Finn... um, I don't know what's going on behind the scenes with the people wanting to come back eventually, but Rey to me is going to usher in a new era of Jedi's of Skywalkers, you yeah. know, like it, it's not it's the end of the Skywalker saga because that bloodline is done, but she is taking the surname Skywalker, which gives us people our age, you know, and people our age who have kids gives them another generation of Skywalkers. Yes, that those movies and that bloodline is done, but her it's so important to for her to take that surname at the end, because in the real world, that gives kids and us more Skywalker. Even though the bloodline's done we get to use that terminology we get to use that name, and that will always mean a lot to us because this ultimately was always about Anakin Skywalker, Luke Skywalker and now, from here on out, Ray Skywalker.
1: Do you think that Ray as a character is capable of finding happiness and finding joy? Or is she now that she's completely aware and is, you know, quote unquote, through her training, yeah. is she now going to be trapped? Like Luke Skywalker uh, probably had joy in his heart mm-hmm. when he was a young kid, yeah. you know, working on his uncle's farm. Yeah but as each film goes on he starts to feel the weight of his responsibility yeah. and he becomes less and less involved mm-hmm. with the world around him and he becomes more of a spirit more of an energy source yeah. and like you know he looks at all the pieces on the on the board removing himself from the equation mm-hmm. do you think that that is her fate so ray would be stoic and removed because that's what happens when you become a jedi
0: it's it's strange because i feel like as much as it's the end of that era she is starting her she's actually starting her story now where she Mm. has to she didn't know who she was she's she's still only in her mid-20s at this point um at the end of rise of skywalker i mean really early 20s i want to say um so she's really just starting her journey now that she found out who she is, you know. And and along the lines of her finding out who she is, she is truly the last Jedi that we know of, and is going to have to be the 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 genesis of the new Jedi or whatever we want to call them. I have hopes that people don't even call it Jedi anymore. They call them Skywalkers. I think that that's such a great, like, thing to, again, bring forward into the future of Star Wars is is there's no more Sith, there's no more Jedi, but they're Skywalkers, you know? Like, light-sized Force users are Skywalkers. So, I don't know. You I'm, got me thinking, uh, though. <laughs>
1: like, that last bit of Rey, where mm-hmm. she's at now, I think, to me, that could be the most interesting part yeah. of that character. And a smaller film mm-hmm. based around Ray Skywalker yeah. or, or series, yeah. you know, because now it doesn't have to be in cinema. Oh, totally. Uh, to me, that's appealing. So my question for you is this. We've established where you're at as a fan. Mm-hmm. It's more of the heart of it than the actual execution. Like yeah. You like the, the idea mm-hmm. of Star Wars and the execution is what it is because yeah. it's just reliving the idea. Do you think at the 20 um 30 mark Mm -hmm. a 10 year anniversary do you think that galaxy's edge will still have those characters in there and still be in that spot like do you think they're that committed to it or do you think that they are willing like is is it is it pirates of the caribbean will 50 years from now people still be going on rides and it's those same scenes and it becomes hokey to them where it was intense to us like what do you think
0: i I think in a business, if I owned that, you know, if I owned Disney and Batu, like I would just say no because I think it has more potential to grow. Yeah, you you didn't make something, like I said, you could go back in time and do Batu fifty years before the Skywalker Saga. You know, like all that there's potential, and I think that 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 would enhance people's love of Star Wars because one thing that I think Batu did, which is why i get absolutely excited is it's built in a time where the original trilogy is lore you know it's not it's not you walk into like the toy darian toy shop and you see all the toys that 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 she made that she made and it's like darth vader and obi-wan's battle depicted in toys because they heard about that they heard about oh, that battle the you know? mobile
1: up yeah, in exactly. the, the the ceiling there yeah. i whenever i take somebody there i'm yeah. like you got to look up yeah. cuz that like it looks like it's crafted out yeah. of wood it is amazing yeah. so with you believing in so, that the, the the lore is in there
0: mm-hmm. but you could change all that you know like those are right. things you have the structure there and it's not built in to be it could only be this really the only thing i've thought about this the only thing that's would be that you'd have a hard time First Order Echelon uh, tie that's in the corner there. That's, like, very specific to the time, um, the time frame of Last Jedi, of, of the sequel. The spacecraft. Yeah, yeah.
1: And, well, that needs to go anyways because it's not in scale.
0: Yeah. So <laughs> it's, it's something they'll have to, like, they'll have to eat that cost and put something else there or explain something. I don't know. Just
1: that's the only thing you'd give have to change. Give me... Give me a Tie Fighter, yeah. like give me a traditional yeah. Tie Fighter with the big straight wings, yeah. or even the Darth Vader one with the C shaped wings. Yep. So, so I'm hearing what you're saying, and I'm, I'm in agreement with you because
0: that's what I, want. What I they, want. More experiences.
1: What they did with with Galaxy's Edge is the the bare bones of it, the structure of it. It's not tied to anything in yeah. particular. So just saying this is a new venture. You're going someplace new. I really do felt that they made the perfect backdrop to tell whatever stories they Mm -hmm. want, because even though you didn't walk up to one of the buildings and go, Oh my God, this is me reliving my childhood. You were just in the environment. You're like, I just walked in to star Wars. And because it's an, (laughs) an unfamiliar world, um, the story begins now, mm-hmm. like the journey begins now. Yeah. And speaking of that, you are the one person I know that really went hard into the data pad. Yeah. And for me, the data pad, I love the idea of that. I love using tech in the parks. But I go to Disneyland for a very specific reason, mm-hmm. and that's to get away
0: from yeah. my phone. Yeah, yeah.
1: So how is that experience going through and, and doing all those different quests? And how's that experience as an adult?
0: Uh, it's kind of just, to me, like passes time a little bit. I feel like the idea for it really should come alive while you're waiting in line for things. But to get ultra picky about it, they kind of spread out the things you could scan a little bit uh, too much. And lines move a little quick. So it's like hard to like scan something that you have to figure out a puzzle or, or, you know, something. So you kind of are the lines are moving too quick where like you scan something and then you have to 10 feet down the road, there's something else to scan, but you're not done doing the puzzle from the last one. So yeah, I always felt rushed when I try to
1: mess around with it because it's like being tailgated in traffic. As soon as somebody's on your bumper, now you feel this intensity that you got to go faster.
0: So it's cool. I think it enhances the experience a little bit. Again, I think that it should always be a, a, something that they change a lot and add new experiences and and i mean it would be great if you earned actual things i think that that would help the experience too right now you earn some credits that don't get you anything but right. but uh again i think it's it's something that helps you pass the time there but it doesn't really do much else i appreciate it i appreciate all levels of of anything that you can get introduced to new characters or uh just get into the world of finding out what something is called, finding out what this blaster's called, finding out what this armor's called. Like, that just helps you realize how big the universe is, and and, and that's exciting to me.
1: What do you say to people that their biggest complaint about Galaxy's Edge is, it's beautiful, I love the way that it looks, but there's nothing to do there. Yeah, I I think if I had to sum up the biggest repetitive negative critique, it's, there's nothing to do there. Mm -hmm. I have my opinions would love to know yours.
0: I mean... Especially before Rise of the Resistance opened, there was actually one ride. So the only thing to do there was spend money. But spending money is what Star Wars is kind of about to, to Earthlings.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but it's, I mean, you went—you were going there once a week. You yeah. weren't buying stuff every time no, you went I'd there.
0: I'd buy. I'd maybe eat lunch, get a get a drink. Uh, I think where they kind of missed the mark a little bit is maybe they didn't realize that most of their fan base is drinking age and the cantina could have been quadruple the size and would have been packed still. So that's, that's an experience that I'd like to see them expand upon is having a cantina and, and a little bit more of the, the party atmosphere. Cause obviously that's, that's probably the most successful part that makes them money, you know, like rise. Oh, or, those drinks are insane. Yeah, yeah. But you can only fit so many people in there. So, um, well, you know, there yeah. is, there's land right behind the cantina. Uh-huh. Uh, where that
1: sit-down restaurant was going to go, yeah. which I mean, I would have loved. I mean, the two things that got chopped off the list: that sit-down experiential restaurant, and then the—is it a Bantha? Yeah, that Bantha, like that would take you around the outskirts of the land. That would be that's yeah. my kind of Disneyland yeah, attraction. Yeah. Like that, is, I would take that over Smoker's mm-hmm. Run a, a, any day of the week. Yeah. That's my kind of attraction. Those two things I really, really wanted. Now, I think the Bantha thing is just done because yeah. you'd have to have the land graded for that. But that backstage area behind Oga, mm-hmm. it's sitting back yeah. there. And in the new um, Oculus game that's coming out, yeah. there is a second cantina, nice. okay. and it's located in that area. Great. So I did a whole breakdown on, on YouTube trying to yeah. figure out, like, could this happen? Could it work? And by studying it, absolutely it could. Right. And they could even do it
0: yeah. as a second floor experience mm-hmm. to keep
1: that big footprint oh, totally.
0: for yeah. the, the restaurant. That makes sense. Yeah, I mean, of course there could be more to do. I think I'm a little distracted because part of my joy of being in Batu is watching people have fun with Star Wars. Like, So I could park my butt right on that bench across I mean, from the Den of Antiquities and yeah, just watch people. And, where
1: we sit on the opening of yeah, rides exactly. for hours and you were drinking coffee out of a <laughs> mug. To yeah, make I brought you look, my own mug. So you looked more like a citizen. Yeah
0: um i think there could be more things to do but you you definitely get to the point of is it rides is it games like what is it because it's then you're you're bringing the disney experience into batu where they're obsessed and committed to it feeling like you're off world you're in batu you're in star wars so they'd really have to get creative with what it meant to have things to do that didn't make it seem like you're bringing Disney into Batu, So I, I figured it out.
1: I also think, too, it's a bit of um, an an adult-themed franchise, right? Like mm-hmm. the movies. Yeah. If you're going to let your kids watch the movies, they got to be to a certain age or maybe you just don't care. I mean, you know, people get burnt to death. People yeah. die. You, why is he kissing his sister? Like yeah. there's a lot to kind of figure out in yeah. there. Um, and so I think because it scales a bit older, that's why you don't have – you know, a, a circle ride mm-hmm. or a spinner type attraction. Yeah. And how bad would it look if there was little mini, you know, X wings and Tie Fighters you could get on and go into a circle? Yeah, like, yeah. if you put Mater's junkyard in there, you've literally now made Batuu a junkyard. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think that the, the, the theming is right. But I'm a lot like you. I love going there and sitting inside of it and feeling like I'm in Star mm-hmm. Wars. To me, that is sort of the marquee attraction because yeah. the land is just so well. Yeah.
0: It's it's to me again like going into the Den of Antiquities or seeing you had to some lose stuff, your
1: mind the first time you like, walked it's in there. so nerdy. it's a museum
0: it is and it's so nerdy based off of again like the original trilogy is the lore that everyone is looking for like if my mother went to Batuu she'd be like where's Darth Vader you know and right like well I have to explain to you everything like where we are when we are all this stuff so the lore ties in the Clone Wars, Rebels, books, like all of this stuff. So to me, like they really as far as Disney went, it really was like the imagineering like again they could have took the easy way out. It could have been Tatooine and then you go over here and it's Dagobah and whatever. But they didn't buy Star Wars to Live off of that. Obviously. No, no. They made a sequel trilogy. They introduced new characters, and Star Wars is going to always be somewhat based in that original trilogy. Not always, but for the foreseeable future, especially with the uh, with the success of Mandalorian, it's going to be rooted in in that era, and they're going to mine that era to kind of bring it along a little bit, which I don't mind. Um, but the, the park really is, like, it's so nerdy. Like, it, it really does, it should please all of the top, top fanatics with how nerdy it is and, and all the stuff, that the, the details of it all.
1: I mean, it's a great collection, right? Yeah. I mean, there's literally from, you know, Jar Jar to Jedi, there's a yeah. little bit of everything totally. in there. Yeah. When you walked in and you looked up, What was the first like? What was the item that you saw that just like I can't believe I'm seeing this in the real world, and I can't believe that somebody thought that that's one of the items out of the hundred to put in there that made the list?
0: Yeah. Well, one thing that I did notice right away was uh, because the Mandalorian wasn't out yet. It was the Mandalorian, like uh, his pulse rifle, and I saw that that too. When
1: I saw the Mando stuff, I go, "Whoa!" Because i I've been most excited about Mandalorian out of everything, and it's all because of John Favreau. I think he's an excellent filmmaker. I think that, you know, he's from my age our generation and I just I had I had a good instinct on what he was going to do and it didn't let me down. Like yeah. for my money Mandalorian is the best thing that Disney's yeah. done within the brand. Um, and I also feel like it has uh, the room to just keep building and getting better and better uh, instead of letting us down. And by the way, we're speaking on trailer release day. Yeah, yeah. What did you think about the trailer?
0: It's cool. It, it was more like teasery than trailery. I know they're calling it the official trailer, but it just showed you how the series is expanding already going to different worlds it already looks higher production it already oh. looks cinematic
1: I, I was freaking out when i cuz i watched it on a live stream like yeah. they're on a boat yeah we've never seen them on a boat exactly. in star wars so we, this like is,
0: the galaxy is so massive and we've been so focused on skywalkers and tatooine and hoth and all these and coruscant and all these places and there's so many species and so many worlds so we basically get to create them you know they might only exist in comics or books right now but then that's in like Parallel to like Marvel having this whole backdrop of decades and decades of comic books, you do have an expanded universe of ideas out there that might be only in novels or comics but you could bring them to the to the big screen now and and i think you know i'm only speculating here and this is my own brain but i think so much of the budget of season one was into the they spent it on the technology they had to invent that technology the volume the the giant led stage that they filmed that on i think a lot of the budget went into that and but now that they have out, that they have it now and i can tell from the trailer already it looks so much better and they don't have to focus on the ins and outs of that stuff now it's going to be character driven story driven where we're going it's almost like the first season was like here are the characters but the whole season was almost like a pilot you yeah, know like yeah. now we're gonna get like hardcore into it and, and just having Favreau and Dave Filoni involved um the, they're gonna make it so nerdy I don't
1: know that I can yeah. trust Filoni You know? Everybody always said, don't worry. These movies would be great. Mm-hmm. The guy with the cowboy hat steering the ship. Yeah. Like, the suits are writing the yeah, checks, yeah. but cowboy hat steering the ship. Yeah. I don't know if I like where the ship went. Uh, I don't know. He
0: didn't do anything with the movies. He had nothing no. to do with the movies. No, no, no. no. He's, he's been all uh, animation up to this point. So why would
1: they put, if he's yeah. the, the keeper of the gate, yeah. why would they keep him out of the cinema world? It
0: might just be some strange, like, he only did animation. The first thing he did live action, directing-wise, was, was Mandalorian. Mandalorian, right. Yeah. He did an so episode. episode. 1 and 5. And those were, Oh, he shot the pilot. Yep. Or he directed the pilot? Yep, yep. Oh. So those are his first two things. So I think everyone knows he's the heir apparent, but I think that there's a lot of... Uh, him and Favreau are a great combo, for okay. sure, because I think Favreau knows how to get things done, and Filoni has the Star Wars dictionary, you know, encyclopedia in his brain. So
1: Whether it's done post or pre-production, mm-hmm. I don't care. But when you get to the end of a great episode of Mandalorian, because like, I can remember setting my alarm, Getting up at like five AM because that's when we got them on the West Coast. I am sitting in my living room. I have headphones, wireless headphones on. I am watching the TV with the volume full blast. I am like, I am sitting in my living room, going, I can't believe that legally I am getting Star Wars in my home by myself. (laughs) And so at the very end, they do that Baby Yoda mic drop. Mm -hmm. I audibly gasp. Yeah, and then the ending theme song is so good yeah. and it goes into all that concept art. Yeah. So I don't care if they made that concept Amazing. for the credits or if it was actually used to build yeah. the scenes, but the way that it ends is always... I get jazzed up just from those comp parts, it's great. and I love that composition of the music at the yeah, end. It's, it's so great. good. I
0: mean, we just... It's funny, and not to plug my own Star Wars no, podcast. No, please do. I wanted to talk about it. <laughs> but uh, The name we, of your Star Wars podcast it's, is... It's uh, Thank the Maker. Thank the Maker. Yep.
1: And tell everybody who your co-host is. Uh,
0: so... Like uh, Mark said, I'm a musician, play bass in the band called Bayside, and my other two co-hosts are Adam from a band called Story of the Year and Ryan from uh, a band called Yellow Card. So uh, they, they both uh, started the podcast, uh-huh. and I was a guest on an episode where we broke down the movie Solo, which I love, and then the next day they were like, hey, that was awesome, do you want to just co-host with us? So, hey, so that's kid, how that started.
1: The kid who played Harrison Ford, yeah, who
0: played... Alden, Alden Ehrenreich, yeah.
1: He did an amazing job it's great like 30 minutes into the movie i'm like that's han solo
0: again again, the story is what matters like you can't go into a movie about han solo and think i if it's not harrison ford i hate it no no that movie might that and rogue one all that's like phase one of disney owning star wars is like done as far as i'm concerned and the actual best things they did were solo and rogue one love the sequel trilogy love where it went Love the story, like I'm stoked for you know whatever characters they continue to to make you know uh, have a future after the sequel trilogy. But I think as standalone, Solo and Rogue One were you get a dark, gritty war movie like Rogue One that added to the lore of of the original trilogy, and then and then Solo is like almost like starting a Marvel universe. Yeah, it was about five movies. When I walked out of that movie for the first time. I couldn't think of five sequels that needed to happen just based off of Solo. And it's unfortunate the way the box office went, but I have faith that it's going to become this weird like Star Wars cult classic thing where it's like, hey, that did okay. And it had like behind the scenes issues It that kind of crept into the, yeah,
1: whenever the box you throw, office thing. Whenever but, you throw a different director on a project, yeah. you know that you're doomed.
0: Yeah. I mean, they were legitimately filming with two other directors who absolutely are successful in their own right and know what they're doing. Um, Lord and Miller, they Mm -hmm. went on to do like Into the Spider Verse and all this stuff. So whatever happened, happened. So it automatically made the movie, it wasn't going to be as profitable as it should have. See, this is where
1: I think Disney's had problems. So, you know, let's look at the Star Wars cinema. Yeah. Different than Star Wars Parks, Mm -hmm. right? I believe with the movies, the problem that they're having is Is they're trying to make a cultural phenomenon. Like they're trying to force a hit record. And the hits just come out of us, right? Mm -hmm. You don't know when you're writing a hit. Like if you sit down to write a hit song, guess what? You're not going to write a hit song. (laughs) Like the the best songs are the ones that write themselves. Mm -hmm. And so I think that they're trying to, like, they're they're getting directors in. They're pulling directors out. They're doing this. They're doing that. They literally made Galaxy's Edge in like a vacuum. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they got uh, Scott Tolbridge, who had worked on Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. They brought in a team. They, they put those folks and just said, build this. Yeah. They traveled the world. They try to figure out how exotic does this planet's mm-hmm. building materials get? Let's build that over there. And I really think what makes Batu one of the most successful things that has been done since Disney's own Star Wars is the idea that it is literally just its own creation. And so when we look at Rogue One, you know, this little bitty Mm -hmm. blip of a scene and they go off and make a whole movie that I think is my favorite Star Wars movie Mm -hmm. outside of the original trilogy. Like, I love that movie. And I always say every film has a, a... Moment in it, where that's where the director wanted to end it. Yeah, and then they do ten more minutes <laughs> for all the stupid people yeah. because the studio made them do it. Yeah. Getting dissipated on a beach with mm-hmm. somebody that you just met that you have a crush on. Yeah, that's a phenomenal way to end yeah, a movie. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. love. And then on that movie, that last ten minutes, going all the way up to the very moment yeah. that when we were kids, were like, hold on, hold on, hold yeah. on, on what happened before this? Yeah, yeah. Why, why does everybody know what's going on? And I don't
0: know. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was genius. Yeah, it was great. It's almost, I feel like rogue one and solo, the last, last, last scenes of both of those movies were almost like post credit scenes. I, I, someone explained, especially the Darth Maul scene in Solo, someone was like, this is almost like a Marvel post credit yeah. scene. So I've, that's always stuck with me because I feel like the movie ended on the beach in Rogue One and you know, the movie and Solo ended with Kira leaving Han. Like those, those, That's where those, those movies ended. And then you get that extra couple of minutes to really set up either going into A New Hope or set up like Solo, like I said, we, Han is still like a happy-go-lucky, like, wannabe smuggler at the end of Solo. So what happens between that and him being in, most obviously, Cantina as, like, a grumpy old dude, you know? So th- there's so much story oh, to he, tell there. He got burnt a couple of times yeah, yeah. between there Absolutely. and there. So it, to me, it's, you know, both of those movies are great. And, and going back to, you know, just uh, Galaxy's Edge, like, being being what it is. And I think... Star Wars is always going to be built because it works. Like, you get to pluck a little piece of a line or something that people say and expand the universe on that. So, that's what, to me, like, Batu is like, it didn't exist prior to them building it. And they kind of went back with. Writing a novel about it, and and they're gonna keep building. Yeah, upon they created what a backstory,
1: and mm-hmm. they're they're flushing all that yeah. out. And now we're learning that you yeah. know the reason why this town settled is because of the golden light mm-hmm. and that's yeah. how Oga has her fortune because yeah. she controls the gold dust, as mm-hmm. the locals say it.
0: Yeah. So I, I think that you know Star Wars is always gonna be for like mined for moments like that, and you could you could really just do that forever. It's hard to come up with new things. As far as, I don't know where the story's going to go from Ray Skywalker on. That's really interesting. I I really have no idea. And I think that they're taking their time to figure that out because you've now done the whole rehash of, like, everyone's like, Kylo Ren's just basically Darth Vader. Ray's basically Luke Skywalker. It's like, I mean, really, if you look at it on the surface, sure. But, like, they can't now do that a third time in five years, you know? But
1: also, when we watch Star Wars for the first time, as kids, you realize early that lightsabers are swords yeah. and it's King Arthur, yeah, right? I mean, totally. it, like everything comes from something. That's that's how it all yeah. works. That's pop yeah. culture. It recycles upon itself. Speaking of taking a moment in the end of Solo what was your vibe on the Game of Thrones guys Mm -hmm. doing that trilogy of films that would take place like in the Old Republic, like
0: way, way,
1: way before
0: Skywalker? As as far as my Star Wars fandom goes, I don't know much about that era. So it was really, it was great. How
1: would they make that feel Star Wars though, right? Uh, Because like the way that they've cheated it in all these other movies, you throw a Stormtrooper in there, it feels like Star Wars. So like if you go back... Thousands of years mm-hmm. in, in their world. Yeah. How do you make the, that
0: feel? The way the way I wrapped my head around that was so much of what people didn't like about the prequels was the actual technology of how they were made. And you don't really have to worry about that anymore. So I feel like you could just make a prequel looking era kind of saga now that mm-hmm. looks better. Yeah. You don't have to have this weird like hey, Obi-Wan and Padme are clearly walking in a green screen right now. Like, you'd get to, you get to have this, right. like, different-looking era of... You're still going to have ships. Like, there's always this strange dichotomy of, like, Star Wars looking super old but then having great crazy technology. So, like, as long as you do that a thousand years earlier, two thousand years earlier, you're still going to have ships. You're still going to have lightsabers. You still have the Force. You're still going to have bad guys. So
1: the way that you tie it in... Is off of the style guide, even though there will be no Millennium Falcon for yeah. the first time. There will be no Stormtroopers. But, I mean, there will be Wookiees. Yeah.
0: Maybe I mean, back then there were Yodas weren't droids, so thin. You know, like, yeah. they'll, that's what is the most daunting task is to, you, with the prequels, people hated them because it didn't feel like Star Wars. Then the sequels felt like Star Wars, but then people hated them for different reasons. And it's like... They have to take a step back and figure out what they want Star Wars to be moving forward. And I feel like the story has to be different, but it needs to somehow feel like Star Wars. And that just has to do with, with how the technology and you have to have the ruggedness of Tatooine with the technology being what it is in star wars you still have to be able to be like wait you're you're farming for moisture but also light speed exists you know right. like you there's... have a you have
1: a motorcycle that floats yeah but you're trying to pull vapor out of yeah, the air to yeah, drink yeah
0: so there's there's just this kind of we talk about on the podcast a little bit here and there it's like technology in the star wars universe that we see is not necessarily for profit it's for the people hmm. so you you don't need uh You don't need anything more. You don't need an iPhone screen. You just need, like, a couple of beeps on, you know, a couple of dots on a screen to know where, like, the next ship is. Obviously, that's all technology was in 1977, which is why that looks like that. But... Why would it keep looking like that for the next 30 or 40 years into the sequel trilogy? And and the way we wrap our head around it is it's not a profitable thing, you know, and Apple doesn't exist, you know, so they don't have to upgrade an iPhone every year. Well, it doesn't seem like uh, it
1: it seems like they don't have the infrastructure in their galaxy for an Apple to exist. Like it's almost like every planet is just kind of free-balling it, living on their own rules. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't seem like they've... Yeah. I mean, you know, we see in the the, the prequels the council and all mm-hmm. the different people being represented when we see the death of democracy. And by the way, hey, that was a crystal ball for the future, yeah, right? right? Like, this is the sound of democracy dying. Yeah, uh, applause. <laughs> but when we look at what makes it all up, it, it is actually just the the that dichotomy that you said, you know, yeah. like something that feels... Beyond what we have, and then something that feels barbaric—it's yeah. the combination of the two mm-hmm. that that world exists in. And once again, I think Batu does a really good job of, you know, let's go over to the Resistance area. It's wooded, it's rural. There's mud. They're using, you know, wood posts to make mm-hmm. their fences, and yeah. all of the light fixture and power grid is is very pop up and temporary. Mm-hmm. When we go through the caverns and the caves, everything that's left over by the the sacred ones, like it's it's. It's, it's like very basic you know it's like our version mm-hmm. of cave drawings and, and that but then once we work our way through the land and we get over to where the, the first orders popped yeah. up now there's Architecture—it's a little worn, torn, yeah. but it's slick. And mm-hmm. you look at the the milk stand—horrible product, yeah. great facade. Yeah. Like you feel like that there's technology yeah. working for you.
0: Yeah, I think the the, the bad guys, the Empire, the First Order—they have the money. You know, like they're the ones that that do thrive on that technology. But they're
1: pirates, and, basically. Yeah, they totally. just—they go through and they just—you know—they they take resources from whoever mm-hmm. they want, and that they they carry a heavy hand. Yeah,
0: I mean, it's 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 about money and money and oppression and stuff, and that's what the empire or the first order kind of they rely on that and and I mean, that, that leads to you know if they want to make money off of technology they'll make money off of technology you
1: know churches are incredibly wealthy because they don't have to pay taxes mm-hmm. and it, when you look at uh, the first order i mean it's essentially slave labor yeah so you just you gather all these people you have such a low cost of goods that you just go to planet to planet mm-hmm. taking what you need and now you have this fortune but what good is all that money if you don't have happiness in your yeah, heart? Yeah. I, I, I would love to know, what is the first order's narrative or cause? Mm-hmm. You know, so, like, let's look at America today. We, we have two different Americas existing at once. It's, mm-hmm. it's really, really insane. And you have people uh, on the right that quote-unquote want to make America great again. Mm -hmm. So their narrative is that they want everything to feel like 1955. Even though they maybe don't realize that 1955 they were kids and so they're holding on to the memories of like First Christmas versus reality. But do you know what is the First Order's cause because none of them seem happy they don't seem like they like each other Mm -hmm. and I don't understand like well we're going to crush these planets because it builds some sort of better tomorrow do you know what that is I mean
0: I don't think that that's necessarily written yet and I think that going into uh, the next few seasons of the Mandalorian I think that you'll start to see like the seeds of what the first order is I mean it's legitimately remnants of the Empire for sure And, I mean, now that Rise of Skywalker's done, sorry for spoilers, I mean, it's been Palpatine the whole time. Even the First Order was, you know, him creating Snoke, manipulating Ben Solo to turn to Kylo Ren. It's still all, it's just Empire 2.0. Yes, it looked like that in The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi, but now we know after the rise of skywalker it's just been palpatine the whole time so it's basically the same emphasis of i want to rule the galaxy i'm i'm palpatine so it's an evil king
1: yeah like everybody is just somehow working for this guy to please Mm -hmm. their emperor yeah you know if um finn's mad about how the movies turned out for him as they went along yeah uh, Snoke, he really got a raw deal. Yeah. I mean, he was just hanging out, and who knew that that was a pop-up tent, right? Yeah, Like, right. when they ripped those walls, I'm like, he's just hanging out in the tent. But he like, yeah. he's hanging out a warp tour in a merch tent. Yeah. <laughs> who knew that that was yeah. a merch tent that he's hanging out in?
0: Yeah. I mean, again, like, I don't, I think The Last Jedi is a good movie, but it really derailed things. You know, like, I'm not going to say screw ryan johnson or that that movie's trash or anything like that i i think the decisions that were made could have been like 20 percent better and that would have made all three movies better it's him coming in and and like derailing on purpose like it's almost like he did what we need to do as a whole in star wars too early he was like We can't just depend on the past to move Star Wars forward. I'm going to blow all this up. It's a good movie, but it's almost like you need to do that almost at the end of Rise of Skywalker, like blow it up so the future is different as opposed to blow it up in the middle movie. Everything that J.J. set up, I'm throwing it all in the trash. Oh, J.J.'s coming back. He's just going to do like like re like he's going to take it out of the trash can yeah, and exactly. try to reconstruct. So, and that's it. what we got, you know. So I don't think. So it, you're
1: saying the last movie is the donut that or the eclair that George Costanza pulled out of the top of the trash? Yeah, yeah. Didn't go to the bottom. It's it almost the top like of the trash. that
0: could be if the last Jedi didn't last Jedi didn't exist. Rise of Skywalker could have been the second movie, and then the third movie should have been the one that is like different that's the one that expand the universe more and we got something that was way different um, because you almost would have you would have gotten two movies of almost like yeah these are actually the sequels to the original trilogy and then this third movie was the one that expanded the universe and and moved on into new villains new worlds new heroes all this type of stuff but I mean that's just the 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 it's it's but the thing that concerns flow. me
1: the thing that concerns me about Disney's d- decision making with the Star Wars films is that before um, the uh, sorry the, the the middle movie is mm-hmm. Last Jedi. Last Jedi. Before Last Jedi comes out. They're already talking that they're giving Ryan Johnston yeah. his own yeah. trilogy. It's like good. they were hot really? on it. They yeah. thought they they thought that they had knocked the ball mm-hmm. out of the park. Yeah. Yeah. I happen to think that that is the best of the last three movies. Yeah. I can't remember the name of it to save my life because these <laughs> names are all so yeah. kind of almost like the the original trilogy yeah. names. Totally. But I think that that one was good uh because it took chances mm-hmm. and that was the first time that I felt like I was getting new Star Wars yeah, stories. totally. Yeah. And that part of it I, that I liked. But when you look at Batu, mm-hmm. right, we both agree that there's good bones there. Yeah. There's a good future there. Mm-hmm. What do you think will be some of the earliest changes to take place? Because they are very, very reactionary mm-hmm. to their audiences. Yeah. They're very reactionary to, to fan critiques. Yep. They know that people were disappointed last year. Yeah. I mean, they got hammered, mm-hmm. hammered in the independent content creator area and you know the reason why i did the tram stunt that (laughs) thanks for coming out and taking a lap with me was because i literally wanted to prove to people like look even the parking lot is fun at disneyland Mm -hmm. because i got so sick of people being like galaxy's edge is a disaster they wasted a billion dollars there's nobody there like i thought it was a huge win but most people didn't and they will react to that what do you think they are going to do to react to that
0: um i think you know just like the next phase should be like you said Expand on Oga's Cantina because that's a good business move, first of all. Um, Makes a lot of money. And then I think that something like Smuggler's Run needs to be ran a little bit more like uh, Star Tours, where you go on it and you there's a couple of missions, you know? Like, they change the mission. It can't just be that mission forever. Right. They, I think they know that Rise of the Resistance now is blowing Smuggler's Run out of the water. So they need to upgrade Smuggler's Run in a video sense. Like, obviously, the technology of how it works with the cockpits and all that will remain the same. But that's but why you, you make
1: on. that ride.
0: Yeah. Because whatever's
1: on the outside of the screens, I mean, that thing is a way easier fix than uh, yeah.
0: Rise. yeah. And I think too, like I, I like I feel like they're just scratching the surface with characters in, in there. Like you have Vi Marati, which is a new character made for the story of Batu and, and, and Black Spire and uh you know, there's a novel about her and all that type of stuff. But you read that stuff? Uh yeah, yeah, it's great. Um the the one thing that I read the most that had a lot to do with uh um uh Blackspire was the second book in uh, the Thrawn trilogy. Mm-hmm. Um, they went to Batu a lot, and so that was the first time that I read about it. And that was before I went to Batu. So, a lot what of, kind
1: of insight did those reads? give uh, you?
0: Nothing necessarily too much about Batu, but like just being able to see the uh, like there was a shootout in Ogus with Anakin Skywalker and Thrawn against some some other people. So you get that, like, visual of, like, I know where they are, you know? Like, normally in a novel, I wouldn't know where they are. So Anakin could... Skywalker
1: has been to that, oh, yeah. that Absolutely. last the, the, corner of the galaxy. Yep,
0: the blaster... Uh, Blaster holes that you'll see inside and on the outside of, of Oga's blaster marks on the walls have to do with, you know, a, a shootout that uh, Anakin and I don't, I th- he was rescuing Padme on Batu at one point, so I don't remember. So those blaster in marks, yeah, I'm Insa- sorry. <laughs> inside, I mean, I figured that, yeah, but yeah. those are from a, a, a fight with Anakin Skywalker. Uh huh, yeah. She, she Padme was kidnapped or stranded, I don't remember, on Batu. Um, and he was searching for in that like kind of in that I think it was in that clone wars era. What so, other yeah. deep dives do you have uh, for us? That's the that's the biggest one for that's sure. That's a great one. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a great one. Um Yeah, I don't know because there there's only been I haven't read the novel. It's sitting on my counter in there, Black Spire, you know. Uh and that has Vimerati on the cover so i 'm sure that that has a lot to do and Vimerati was I know this much about her character, even though i didn 't read the novel that she is a you know undercover spy sent out by Leia yeah. so there 's a connection there with leia i 'm um, sure there'll be a lot more stories that I could tell once I read that that novel but the big one that I like is specifically about Ogus is all those those blaster marks that are in the walls outside and inside have to do you know with the shootout that that Anakin was involved in. Um, so so yeah, I I I think overall they need to lean into like how cool is it when you finally saw R two walking around, you know? oh. and then an eighties night three P O was around. So you get you get Chewie, you get Ray. I just think that there needs to be more of that because you yeah. you see concept art and. It's before. flooded. Yeah, it's, it's flooded, flooded with aliens and all this stuff. And yeah, I know that stuff costs money, but in the long run, so does putting in a ride. You know, and like that
1: stuff is nominal cost once you've already built that backdrop. And then you're
0: paying someone fifteen dollars an hour to walk around. Pay and me. I'll do yeah, it for twelve. I'll, exactly. I say that all the time. Be like, give me, give me half but, the, but the l- amount of money.
1: <laughs> literally, wouldn't it just make you excited if there was like, you know. Two girls and a guy in flight suits, mm-hmm. just literally they go from one building to the other building, yeah. and they're just walking around like, "Hey, where are you guys going? Like, yeah. don't you worry about where we're going? Yeah. Like, yeah. like, it wouldn't take much to get it over the edge." Mm-hmm. So, they did announce that coming up there will be three holidays yeah, yeah. celebrated wow. in Batu. Exactly. Black Spire Day, or mm-hmm. is that right? Black Spire.
0: I'm so I remember Life Day, which is a big Life long, Day will yeah.
1: align with our Christmas season. Yeah. Uh, the Harvest Festival will align with our Halloween, mm-hmm. and then I believe it's Black Spire Day, or, mm-hmm. or something like that. I don't have notes in front of me uh, that will align with May the Fourth. Mm-hmm. And I really think that you know, you and I, we had tickets to yeah. go to the the Star Wars After Dark when Celebration was in town. Yep. I really feel like that night that we got robbed of. That was going to be the real coming out yeah. party for
0: Batu. The cause. Don't forget, this, this would have been the first May the 4th there. That to me was, I was looking forward to that more than Star Wars night. Star Wars night was going to be, yes, you're absolutely right, absolutely fun, but it was going to be a little overshadowed, I think, by celebration in general. But we got robbed of the first May the 4th.
1: The first May the 4th would have been like, did you see any of the footage from the first life day?
0: Yeah, like people... with like vlogs just, and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly.
1: Uh, if you're listening at home, Adam the Woo over on YouTube, uh, very, very nice guy, goes in there. He was just shooting one of his regular like vlogs. Mm-hmm. In the beginning of the his video, you can literally tell he's just doing his, his normal everyday vlog. Then all of a sudden, you can see a light bulb go off in Adam's mind. He's like, I've fallen into something special. Yeah. He gets quiet, he stops talking, and he just almost, in the middle of the vlog, switches over to, like, documentary filmmaker. Yes. And he captured Life Day as as an insider with mm-hmm. all these people, and that Life Day video that he put up, it is so special to me because this is Star Wars fans. Mm-hmm. saying we finally have a place to oh, go. Totally. We finally have a church, yeah. if you will. Yeah, absolutely. And the main dude who was running it, I've interviewed that guy before um, at D twenty three on a project I was working on that had never aired. But I was I interviewed that guy. That guy goes to hospitals, dresses Luke Skywalker, does an amazing Yoda impersonation. Mm-hmm. You know, it has a you know a, a muppet on one hand and yeah. a lightsaber in the other hand, and he talks to him mm-hmm. as uh, Obi Wan Kenobi or, yeah. or whatever. But the guy, like, just seeing that natural celebration that fans did all on their own, singing carols, walking around with the lit orb, wearing the red robe, that made me think exactly what you're thinking. That May the 4th, who knows what Disney would have planned. Even if they didn't do anything, it's what we had planned as a community. Huge, yeah. But I believe, Nick, that that uh, after dark party with the celebration people in Mm -hmm. town, with them literally being like, we're doing a Batu party. We've yeah. got to put money into this. Yeah. They promised us uh, cosmic dance floors or intergalactic dance floors. They promised us a fireworks show that I yeah. delivered on. I'm the captain now. <laughs> but I really feel like that night would have been the night that you and I have dreamed of because yeah. they were encouraging people to dress up. That would have been the night when the land finally yeah. came to life.
0: It really was like, I agree. And there's lightsaber meetups. There's all these fan things. That the I droid
1: racing that people do. Exactly.
0: So... What is so great with generations and generations of Star Wars fans is it can't exist without their, the level of interaction and fandom. So you opened up this park, and although it has a story and it looks a certain way, in a way it was a blank canvas for Star Wars fans. And yes. I think that, that that first couple of months where, you know, maybe it was getting, like, poo-pooed on a little bit by by outsiders and people were like there's not a lot of people here it's never busy i think that had a lot to do with it was the summer in california and rise of the resistance wasn't open yet if you're traveling on a
1: budget you're going to wait till you can do it all at once.
0: so rise opens and i started to see on my like weekly and daily adventures in batu people finally starting to own it more uh disney bounding you're not allowed to cosplay and wear costumes but a lot more bounding of like putting together an outfit that resembles Han Solo that resembles Kylo Ren whatever and people just started to own the park and that's when it started to take off I saw it like double every time I went where people were like I know what to do here now Yeah, it was so much fun and it was so inspiring too.
1: So we were part of a group of guys that got to the park at midnight (laughs) to ride Rise on opening day uh, January 17th which was a phenomenal day probably in my top five Disneyland visits ever but that day literally lit a spark Mm -hmm. where from every day on people hung out in front of rise like galaxy's edge got a a shot in the arm and Mm -hmm. you're really you're you're correct the bounding really started to take off and with your popular fan Instagram account that you did at Batuu crew Mm -hmm. where you just repost photos of people doing fun things in Batuu um that project had to be so much easier for you because there's just a plethora of people with amazing outfits and Mm -hmm. creativity showing their love of the brand inside of the land. And Mm -hmm. what I think makes Galaxy's Edge really, really special, Marvel's made more money. Mm -hmm. Marvel has more movies. They knew what plots of land they had. They gave Marvel the smaller piece of land. They gave Star Wars the exclusive separate a piece of land Mm -hmm. and I think that decision is because Star Wars fans are crazy and if you look at every other part of the park people don't go to Radiator Springs (laughs) and do meetups and race cars on the sidewalk Like no other land has people going in there celebrating fictional fan Mm -hmm. holidays
0: yeah it's it's because there's just I mean Marvel there's obviously decades and decades of, of comic books but that didn't really take off until, you know, Iron Man as far as the cinematic universe. Sure. So there's, to me, if I'm going to buy something for $4 billion that's at that point, you know, three and a half decades old, it just seems like a better, a uh, safer bet to let's, let's, this is the thing that originally changed the world. Like the Marvel cinematic universe doesn't exist unless A New Hope came out in 1977 and did what it did. You know, yeah. like Marvel was around before Star Wars, but. Star Very Wars changed product. the world more than Marvel did and had a longer history of changing the world and a longer history of making money. So to me, it just sounds like a, a, a no-brainer business-wise.
1: Star Wars' business model of merchandising and branding changed a path that Disney would follow and the way that Disney parks work. Yeah. Like it literally created a template mm-hmm. that people have fallen, yeah. followed since the 70s now. Yeah. Um, as we... Wrap up today. A couple of quick questions mm-hmm. for you. When you go to Patu, yeah, what is your go-to meal?
0: Uh, it took a um, couple of months for them to have. I'm a vegetarian, so the uh, meatless Ronto wrap is something that if it existed somewhere in the town I lived, you know, some version of it or somewhere other than you Disney, that I restaurant? would eat it anyway. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So the ronto wrap. You is, just get is, it as on the menu you don't modify it at all yeah no i don't modify um and then in docking bay seven there's the the like again impossible meatball kind of thing with a side of hummus and pita absolutely great so i'm glad there's meatless options and vegetarian options there um nothing really so i had a friend that i made through batu crew which is again like part of my love for star wars is the community um so really when I stumbled upon the idea of making an Instagram handle where I celebrated, not me, but other people in Batu and them having fun in Batu, I've made some, some, some friends, some online friends. <laughs> um, and uh, she was like, you have to go to, uh, to California Adventure because that's where the beer is and the booze is. Go have a couple there an hour before your ogus Cantina uh <laughs> reservation so you're going in there a little sauced already have a couple more chase it and out and yeah and then you get out into batu and you're like you're you're buzzed and you you're lose. in star wars so you're yeah. drunk in star wars it makes it that much better so uh so, so what are your drinks of choice at Ogus? uh you know i kind of go bang for my buck though and i get beer there because it's just a little mm-hmm. bit more uh alcohol content um the, the Fuzzy Tauntaun, obviously, is a novelty. It's fun. You get that... Uh, you don't drink, right? No. So you get that kind of like that fuzzy mouthfeel for a little bit. It's fun. They're all sugary, pre-mixed drinks. So, like, again, if my goal there isn't necessarily to have, like, uh, a wild drink experience, it's to get to a certain level of buzzed. So so I'll just kind of have a couple of beers there because it's the, the best bang for my buck. Blue or green milk? I, I don't know why... I'm a contrarian with this and I tend to get the green more cause I know people don't like it as much. <laughs> but do you so, enjoy it or you just get yeah, it no, to do it? I mean, I get it to do it for sure. Cause if, if they
1: sold it. green milk across the street, would you go buy green milk? No,
0: no, definitely not. Absolutely not. I feel like the, it, it, the idea of it and for them to, for them to dedicate, uh, for them to dedicate the real estate they did to just those two products is a little strange to me. Yeah. Um, so hopefully they, they expand. I mean they did do a third drink that had like tahine and uh, the green milk in it and chamoy, which I thought was really good, but it also is very southern California. Whenever I don't know I, if they even do it in Walt Disney. World.
1: Whenever I hear Chamoy, all I can hear is Chamoy. Yeah. <laughs> so when you were on tour, yeah. you popped into Batu yep. East. Yep. How insane is it going to a replica of yeah. this place right by your house uh, yeah, yeah. when you're on the other side I was of the a country? tour
0: guide that day? I was I was the only person in my crew who had been before, so I got to like just be was like, it just your I'm
1: band going. or did you have another band with you?
0: Uh, there was the opening band on that tour uh, showed up, so I got to show everyone around. And the good thing, the only thing that's better. That I would say because they're almost identical except for the resistance base is kind of almost like mirrored. I want to say where the the X wing and the A wing are. Mm. Um, the only thing that I would say is actually better in Batu East compared to Batu West is it's Florida and you could drink everywhere. Oh really? <laughs> yeah, you could add rum and tequila to your milks at the milk stand. I bet you could take drinks out of the cantina.
1: Now, as a non-drinker, yeah, I bet. You know, I wouldn't do it because I don't drink, but I bet if you gave me a blue milk and then a blue milk with like rum or something in yeah. it, I bet I would say, I'm not going to drink that, but that one tastes better. Yeah,
0: yeah, definitely. It, it And it just, again, it enhances, you know, if you go to about two, 10 times and one of the times you're a little drunk, it just enhances it <laughs> a little bit. I'll take your word on that. I'll take <laughs> yeah, your word yeah. on that. Um so that was the one thing that was just like the Florida little asterisks on on Batu East is you could drink anywhere there.
1: Their color scheme is a bit um, more intense. than I would ours, say it's right?
0: deeper. Yeah. and uh, I don't know if it's true or not, but someone just explained to me like the differences in weather. Yes, gonna.
1: It's all yeah. environmental based on yeah. how they pick the colors yeah. and stuff on what's gonna wear. I think
0: it's same colors. They just seemed a little deeper. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know any other way to describe it but deeper colors.
1: Have you been to Batu before when it's raining? No. Because last Thanksgiving, Mm -hmm. we had a very, very rainy Thanksgiving here in Southern California. Beth and I decided that year to make everything on the Traeger grill. So we're literally like, I'm putting things on the grill, holding an umbrella and just getting drenched. So as the night wound down and we'd just been sitting at home and we were just like, we should do something. We got that Thanksgiving like stir crazy. I just said, uh, hey, Beth. It's pretty cold and rainy. I wonder what the scene at Disneyland yeah, is. Yeah. And so Beth and I went with Hammer to Disneyland. Uh-huh. And we ended up going into Galaxy's Edge, and we ended up spending Thanksgiving night drinking yeah. in Oga's Cantina. <laughs> amazing. And that's when I saw one of the most amazing things ever, that when it rains there, one, just the shimmer of the rain just adds a whole other yeah. life to it. But the fact that the cast members
0: were indoor raincoats
1: is so amazing like
0: again part of star wars fandom and community is all about spending money on star wars and it's like how do you make the coolest piece of merchandise not for sale
1: cast members only (laughs)
0: yeah hey it's
1: worth getting that job yeah right (laughs) all right so if you had a an a a realistic wish you Mm -hmm. know not like in a third ride that takes me to the Death Star. Yeah. Like, if you had a, a feasible, like, short-term mm-hmm. wish, what would you want?
0: Uh, I think it's kind of what I mentioned before. Where it's just more aliens, more droids. Characters. More characters, you and know?
1: I've never been... There's a lot of people... I'm worried that if he unplugs that, we could lose the recording. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a lot of people that when they go to the After Dark events, they... Um, they're like, oh, it was okay, but there wasn't enough character meet and greets. And mm-hmm. I'm always just like, what? who yeah. goes there to see characters? Yeah. But I do believe the Batu would be stronger mm-hmm. from more characters, and yeah. more interaction, and start using all those amazing stages that you totally. put on the rooftops. There's like,
0: yeah, there's that one landing, kind of, if you're looking at the Falcon to the right, there's yep. this huge landing where I've asked someone who I know who works for Lucasfilm and worked on Galaxy's Edge. I'm like, is that supposed to be something eventually? And they're like... You know, they were a little tight-lipped about sure, it. Sure, of course. They always but, are. I, I mean, don't know, you know what you're talking about. Yeah, I'm like, that is a stage and nothing. What like- a
1: horrible job <laughs> to know all the secrets and you can't tell anybody. Know, right? Do you think that they just call each other and go, hey, Phil, pretend
0: like you don't know Yeah, that I that's know. a stage? I mean, yeah, I, they, they must.
1: So that one stage you're talking about, I've only seen it used one time. Mm-hmm. And when the land was opening up, actually on opening day, they had people from D23. They were using it to, as a broadcast station. Oh, yeah. But I've, I, for the life of me, why there's never anybody there? Because there's another stage up behind the Falcon. Mm-hmm. Then there's the bridge that goes from dock yep. to the cantina yep. that has doorways on both sides Have of a it.
0: Stormtrooper running like, like, I mean, clockwork, like every ten minutes or whatever. Oh, like Stormtrooper chasing a a, a a citizen. You know. I think like, the
1: thing that makes me mad is that it's just like it's so close. It's like mm-hmm. building a beautiful home, yeah. but like, we'll paint the walls when we get to I
0: it. I mean, again, I, I use the kind of the the idea of season one of the Mandalorian yeah, being you're right. a pilot. You're right. You're right. Like maybe this is all just like, hey, we have like a year or two to The first two years is the soft open, you know, and then we'll just keep evolving it, keep doing it. I mean, again, so much of it, I think, so much of Star Wars is buying stuff. So you got to turn over all those toys in the Toydarian Toy Shop. You got to do new meals in Docking Bay 7. Um, The one thing we didn't talk about, and it's the best experience I've had, I didn't build a lightsaber in Savvy's, but I was someone's guest who was building. Me too, me too. And that's the first time... That I think I like my I almost cried because that's the only place that you always also Yoda speaks to you. You hear the Force theme as you're in this exclusive lightsaber building little scenario. Beautiful, um, beautiful room. Yeah, it's just so great. And that was the first time that I think I legitimately like welled up and was just like, "This is what it's all about." And again, you want to take the cheap way out? Have the Star Wars music and the Force theme playing everywhere in Batu. Where, you don't. Are you, you pro know? music? I love. The, in the land, no, I don't need. I don't do need it. Do you like? The,
1: would you prefer for it to be the soundscape or? I like a soundtrack. the soundscape. I, I do think too. It
0: just it just adds. But for the one place in Batu where you hear the Force theme is a paid experience. That is not the best scenario. But when you're in there, it's totally worth it. It's great. yeah. I was a
1: companion for uh, the artist Daniel Danger. Who he's like, hey, when I come out for Designer Con, mm-hmm. can I get a tour? I want to do. Disneyland with you. And I'm like, yeah. So I took him on a tour and I walked him around. I showed him everything in Batuu and we had, um, he wanted to build a saber, desperately wanted to do it. And so I'm like, oh, I would love to do it because I'd love to see the experience. And actually I had a chance to do it again on that Monday, but they only allow so many people. And I took some, I'm like, look, I live here. Yeah. Yeah. You go in and experience (laughs) this. So I literally just took photos of myself while they were in there. But I do agree with you as we wrap up. I think that they gave us everything in stages. Mm -hmm. Rise, we had to wait for that. I think the characters will come. Yeah. I think the stages will come. I think events will come. And it's really a smart play because it's a way to keep refreshing it and making mm-hmm. it new again. But one of the reasons why I love talking about it is it's incredibly rare to yeah. get this much more Disneyland in your lifetime. Like, mm-hmm. it yeah. it won't happen again yeah. for, for decades, if ever. Uh, it's incredibly rare for that to happen. But it's also it's such a huge artistic endeavor mm-hmm. to... Build something that is intellectual in a place where people don't want to think. It is an insanely, insanely creative move, and I love celebrating that. And I love celebrating that with people that really love not only the characters and the franchise, but the ideology of Star Wars. And I know whenever you and I get together and we talk, we really we always get deep Mm -hmm. into like sort of uh, what is the core meaning of Star Wars.
0: Well, it's it's in an earthly Um, sense, it's about happiness and bringing joy. Like, why would you? as a I'm 40 years old as a 40 year old man why would i care what happens to like a 19 year old character in a movie but right. it's not about that it's about overall the lore and and the storytelling that is going to go on for the foreseeable future so like to me that's what i subscribe for you yeah. know and again it's not about necessarily execution i think most of it's great sometimes it's going to fall flat but that's art that's that's being creative you're not always going to hit home runs Um, so I I, I just again I appreciate like the chances they took with Batu and Star Wars I liken it almost to like putting out your third record where you're like well we're successful on the first two do we just do what we did on the first two again for the third one and see diminishing returns or do we take a chance and try to like shoot for the moon because if people if it resonates with people we just changed the trajectory. What of path
1: our are career. we on? Are we ACDC or are we Radiohead? Yeah, exactly. Do we keep playing the so. same three riffs that, that work and are, yeah. are amazing, mm-hmm. or do we try to reinvent yeah. ourselves and every album? I think album? that
0: this first phase was a little bit of both, which yeah. I think is what, what we're seeing. So yeah. it, it, it wasn't a disaster. It could have been better, but that's what happens when you're trying to do two things at once something new and something old at the same time. So it's, it's a little bit of. Uh, Uh, You know, I think they're taking a break from it. You have ultimately the most successful part of it is unarguably the Mandalorian right now coming out of the first phase of Disney owning this. And the fact that that's successful says a lot because it is creative and it's going to be nerdy in a storytelling sense. and It's going to, for the first time ever in live action slow down storytelling in star wars and you're gonna see more people come on board because you get the details you get the character development it's not just here's a character every two years you get to see them you're gonna it's the pace of
1: tv tv is the the slow build Mm -hmm. you get to you know think about all your favorite tv shows you know so much more about those characters that when you really get into watching serialized tv then when you go and watch a movie you're like wait a minute they just met last night and now she's pregnant like what happened to the last year of their lives but when you have you know 90 minutes or 100 minutes to tell a story it's much different than having 10 episodes, you know, every year to tell a story. Absolutely. As we wrap up today, if anybody ever wanted to get featured over on Batu crew, how does that happen?
0: Uh well, I'm I like to have very decent quality photos of some sort of fashionable people. <laughs> it's not just like, oh here I am drinking a milk and blah blah blah. It's like it's curated. It's it's got to be conceptually like a decent photo, you know? Yeah. So, so that's it. It doesn't have anything to do with bounding or, you know, I have a couple of merch so items. So you pick all the has, photos? Yeah. So I, you
1: you follow certain hashtags and then you uh, reach out to people? It's a little bit of
0: both. Okay. You know what What the coolest part of it for me is when people started to tag it and started to send me photos, which was always the intention. But the fact that it resonated and took off a little bit was a great moment for me because, I, you know, whether it's with the podcast or any of my own personal social media, all I ever want to do is build community you know like i want people to enjoy what they enjoy and have a positive atmosphere to do it in and now we have batu we have plenty of things on the instagram on instagram that have to do with star wars whatever it's other podcasts or my podcast whatever it is i just want people to have fun with what they like um and be comfortable as an adult because i think that that's so much of of losing yourself as a human is like moving on from liking things because you grew out of them you know and it's like you have to be comfortable to like things uh in a reasonable sense that you enjoyed as a kid because that's when you're you're most pure sure um, and that's
1: when that's when the things like star wars really get planted deep into your brain as yeah. an emotional yeah. part of your development totally. so this is more of a an adventures in design interview question <laughs> than a design for designers but you said that you know whether you're doing um you know the your podcast or the instagram account or anything you do it's about community getting outside of disneyland for designers walls for just a moment Mm -hmm. because i can't resist this touchstone here is Mm -hmm. that don't you think that being guys that grew up in bands that were raised by the punk rock hardcore scene Mm -hmm. where community you know we were born into a family but that was the family that we chose and and being embraced by the music scene growing up on tour having literally pre-internet friends in every major city all around the country like community raised me and so that's why i think i love doing these jobs and these Mm -hmm. projects so much because you can work really really hard and then you just put stuff out into the abyss Mm -hmm. and then the same people start to show up they start to talk about it yeah. and then those people meet each other and then you have you know live stream buddies yeah. and, and, and like building the community I think is one of the best things you can ever build yeah. and when you look at the the music industry the bands that get signed the bands that make it to the to the end goal whatever mm-hmm. that may be in success A band is nothing without a community behind it. And I think that is a core value that I learned from music and hardcore.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's just like, oddly enough, and you're seeing it with the perils of the Internet, people want to belong, whether it's at a church or a Facebook group or Star Wars or whatever. People want to be around people that... Uh, are like them, but they want that human experience and it 's really weird to say you 're getting a positive community experience from an overall negative thing, like a sure. you know a extreme right wing whatever it 's like you 're getting that sense of community which you crave your brain craves in like a chemical sense of like belonging, but you 're also doing something bad in the world you know it yeah. 's such a weird concept, but ultimately it 's all rooted in belonging and community and wanting to be around people
1: and I really think that it- one of the things that i love about disneyland and i and i, and I miss de- desperately now is there is people that go there on vacation and they come and they go and they have an amazing time and i'm envious of how they consume the magic mm. but don't kid yourself disneyland is also home to a community of disneyland fans yeah and they have built a corporate culture that feeds off of the people, the cast members, are a part of a community as well. And the thing that made 2019 my best ever Disneyland year and has made my 2020 my worst ever Disneyland year is last year I found my community. I found my group of friends. I found, you know, the group of people that enjoy it the way that I do. Like you and I, uh, and shout out to the other guys. Uh, may the force be with you group 44 like that experience if i'd have gone there by myself i would have had a good time and i would have met people and that would have been a whole other adventure but going there with friends and going there with somebody like you who's a fellow like true believer in the force and star wars like that's what made that day special the ride's phenomenal but all of my friends being there and all of the different people i know like justin and adam and and max and all these different people being there like that was what made that day so phenomenal is that the community like the hardest of the hardcore were there that day and i think that a lot of people that don't get to experience disney on the regular like you and i have um don't know or get to experience it from a community perspective and that's what blew my mind when i started going there more and more Mm -hmm. i recently got interviewed and and the woman's like i just don't understand why you love disneyland so much and i said it's the one thing in my life outside of people Mm
0: -hmm.
1: it's the one thing in my life that the more i love it it loves me back and that's what keeps me
0: going back totally i mean it's really you know since 2015 when, you know, Force Awakens came out and obviously we're getting like perpetual Star Wars from Disney, you know, for as long as we're going to be alive. Yeah. It, it really just, it drew me back in. But what really cemented it all for me was community. It was yeah. going. I went to Celebration last year for the first time and I thought about Celebration every day since then. You know, and the fact that we don't have it this year is was just like. The and the fact biggest. that this
1: year was right down the street from where oh you live. Oh my
0: Goodness, yeah. <laughs> like Chicago is one of my favorite cities ever, and sure. that was you know some of the best five days I've ever had in my life was being in one of my favorite cities with my buddy Ryan doing Star Wars stuff every day. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the fact that it sold out 15 months in advance and it was going to be in my backyard, all I did was think about that for every day since last April, and you know. Again, it, it just totally sucks. We don't have it this year, but they they planned that it was going to be every two years. And it was going to be two years from this year. So this fact that it was canceled this year means it's three years. <laughs> and all I wanted was one more celebration. Because last year was my first one, and it was... Again, I just, I just had such a good time. We threw a little party at a bar. Me and my other friends who are uh, podcasters with the Black Series Rebels, we did like an emo night at Beauty Bar in Chicago. Like, again, just building these communities. and That's and, great. And that's like a community within a community, like a yeah. Star Wars community that would like an emo night. You know, there's yeah. 50, 60 people there in a bar, and that was great. That was, that was like the, a highlight for me. Like, yeah. I went to the Galaxy's Edge panel. It was the only panel that I, like, tried to get into. Oh, I was sitting I in my living
1: that. room live stream, <laughs> yeah. and I think, like, I will deal with Josh Gad for this. <laughs> yeah.
0: So, I mean, it's, again, we lost May the 4th. We lost Disney After Dark. We lost Celebration. Uh, it, it's been <laughs> But you know tough.
1: what we found? <laughs> but you know what? Literally what we found? People like you and myself and, and the, the guys you do the podcast with, we found... That this all does mean something to us. Yeah. And it's worthy of spending late nights, long weekends, early mornings, keeping it alive. Yeah. And it would be real easy just to be like, you know, the old days where a movie comes out and then it just disappears for three years. And then another one pops up. And we have found that our fandom... Uh, is freedom Mm -hmm. and is escapism from the world that we're in. So, Nick, thank you so much for hanging out with me and Batu today (laughs) and having this conversation. And uh, I can't wait till we get back there again, buddy. Any day now. Any day now we'll get a notice that it's going to be a few more days after that day. There you go, fellow citizens of Disneyland, another episode of Disneyland for Designers. I hope you enjoyed this one. A little bit more of a casual conversation, uh, kind of breaking down the intellect of Star Wars and how that will inform the future of Batu. I, I thought that this would be a fun, different change of pace as we're getting further and further away from the park being open and any good news of it reopening soon. Just trying to find different ways to entertain you, different places to take your imagination and uh, trying to take a little bit of heat off of what we're all feeling right now. Yes, we are drifting into a holiday season with no Disneyland. I cannot even tell you how much that crushes my heart, crushes my soul, which is typically when I come up with crazy ideas, work 100 times harder to try to make whatever feels weird feel amazing and like a memory that you can be like, well, that was an awkward year. Remember when we did this. November 13th, I will be celebrating with everyone DCA Christmas over on Twitch and YouTube, and then you can get together with me again uh, December 13th for a virtual Disneyland Christmas party. I'm going to work really, really hard to try to make all of this weirdness... You can never make it feel normal. You can never make it feel better. But I want to make it feel interesting. I want to make it feel memorable as this is how we were able to get through what has been arguably the worst Disney year In 66 years. I'll see you back here next week for another episode of Disneyland for Designers. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you even more for telling a friend. And don't forget, if you want to talk a little bit more Disney with me, you can find me over on YouTube, almost daily, youtube.com slash adventures in design, breaking down Disneyland news and things that are going on. And you can stream with me over at Twitch, AID Network. Friends, until the next time I see you, live the magic every single day. Operations. Thanks for visiting, and come back soon. If you want to shop the off-planet vendors, Main Street will remain open for an additional hour. Have a
0: safe journey back to your home planet. Till the Spire.
1: Atención, Black
0: Spire Outpost.
1: Hemos terminado todos los negocios y
0: operaciones. Gracias por su visita, y regresen pronto. Si desean realizar compras fuera del planeta, Main Street permanecerá abierta una hora más Tengan un buen viaje a su planeta de origen
1: Hasta el pináculo.